back, and we're going to talk about his favorite subject. He, I, I bring people on every week for a specific reason. I bring people on who I think have a special connection to certain topics, or, you know, there's a couple dudes that are just jack of all trades. Like, they can speak on everything. Like, they're not particularly an expert on one subject, but they can dish on everything. And then there's some, like our friend Babs here, who just have a particular affinity for certain topics. You got to know what makes these guys tick. And this is a guy, Babs, who he just gets off on Matchroom. Like, that's his thing. So we got to discuss Matchroom. Before we get into that, like, sorry, you're going to have to wait. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Babs. I'm Angelo. I'm the host. We're going to get into the whole AJ versus Wilder thing. But that's not the biggest story in boxing. What's the biggest story? May 5th, the biggest date of the year for boxing. And if Tony Bally versus David Hay, too. No, that is a bum fight. <laughs> that is a bum fight at this point. Okay. But we're going to talk about a fight that was supposed to be a great fight, but might descend into one of those because there's no opponent. There's no opponents that there are rumors of an of an opponent, and so obviously you know if you're listening if you're listening to a boxing podcast, you probably know the basics, and that's that Canelo test positive. Um, we can get into the conversation of all that, but we won't. Uh, so can I mention, go can I on. mention that you you said that the fight was still going to go ahead when I was lost on the podcast, and a couple of weeks later, here we are. I mean, I don't remember any of that because I do so many <laughs> podcasts, but that might have been. I, I, I'm not immune from being wrong. Like, I'm just like one of you. I'm no insider. I don't got um, Tom Luffler feeding me info because I don't put puff pieces of him out. I'm not uh, writing um, glory, uh, glorifying articles on Golden Boy and their fighters because I don't work for Yahoo and take, uh, you know, the access that they give me so that I can write those pieces. No, I just... I'm just telling you what I think. And I have the same information, about the same information as most people. Nice shade throwing there. I enjoyed that. Okay, well, let's see if you can top that. Because last time you came on, you made a very poor taste joke about Dan Raphael. I just want to say that much. (laughs) He he, he doesn't even have a response. Look at him. He's He's just quiet. Um... Can we talk boxing, please? Uh, I, I'd love to. Um, so let's get into this. So uh, essentially now what happened is they had this pay-per-view lined up in Vegas. They're like, we're still fighting May 5th. We'll just find Golovkin another opponent. Well, several dudes raised their hand and K2 surveyed the landscape. They said, not you, not you, definitely not you. Sue us if you want. So he filed the lawsuit. And uh, they, they, then they looked at the other opponents, and they, they, they skipped past 160. They went down to 154. They were like, these are some guys, uh, including our friend Spike O'Sullivan, who is not going to get the fight. He was offered the fight, accepted the fight. Then they said, uh, we tricked you with the money. It's actually half of what we said it was going to be. So he says no, and um, they've tried to slip in some opponents. The sanctioning bodies say, no, we will not allow you to defend our title against one of these guys. Funny that the sanctioning bodies are like all of a sudden the moral police here. I wonder what that's all about and who's got a, some pool there. Um, but ultimately now, they, they're, they're still committed to fighting May 5th. We're like a week and a half away from May 5th and there's no opponent announced. They've decided to move the, the pay-per-view to regular paper, uh, HBO to move from Las Vegas all the way over to the StubHub Center. But that has some trouble because uh, the night before... Golden Boy's number one prospect, Brian Garcia, he will be fighting. And while it's not necessarily a problem, it's certainly like a little bit of a stumbling block. So, I mean, where do we start here? Like, basically, what do you think is going to happen on May 5th after you watch David Hay lose the fight because of injury? Go to sleep then. Because I don't think there's going to be, I don't think there's going to be any boxing on May fifth the way that it's going now. Yeah, that's how how it definitely seems like. Yeah. Um. So once um they move the fight from Vegas to um, um California, you're happy state or whatever. Then you kind of <laughs> like it, kind of like what the all hell? all. The... <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I but... 
<laughs> like, did you personally mean that to me? Yeah. I think what you meant uh, to say is you, you kind of combine two things in like in moving it to California. I would be happy because yeah. that's where I live. Yeah, that's what I meant. Um, but when you move from Vegas to Cali, there, there's no kind of um, but all the benefits seem to go from that point when you're already struggling to get an opponent and then you're forfeit any kind of financial plus benefit you get from being at the MGM Grand and the casinos there. The other problem is like the money that you could make, it drastically goes down. It, so I saw I saw that they um, have like budget of like just about seven figures for Glockers and the opponent or something like that, which well, is going to cause problems, which means that they can't get certain opponents like the IBF man- monetary Davidchenko who would make the most sense at the stage now that Canelo is going to be out indefinitely. Well, I heard that it was low seven figures, which my guess is like maybe 300,000 or so. Mm. If you're Golovkin, you just fought on pay-per-view twice. He probably made 20 million in his last fight. Like, I, I think it's safe to say that even a handful of million is not bad. Um, if if I th- remember correctly, his pay-per-view with Jacobs did 150,000 buys. At 70 bucks, the, it brought in $10.5 million just from pay-per-view sales, not counting LiveGate um, and all that stuff. And Golovkin did get the lion's share of the split. So he clearly made some money off of that fight. And then he made a lot of money off of the Canelo fight. If I'm Golovkin, as much as I love fighting, I'm not getting in the ring for hundred, $150,000. It's just not happening. And if, if it's a low, if it's a low figure at seven figures and it's 300,000, like just do the math there. He's going to get an 80% split of that. You're not finding an opponent that's going to show up and get knocked out by Golovkin for thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. It's just not happening. Unless well, his name's Vaughn is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unless that guy's been out of the ring for two years. Yeah, and hasn't gotten and a, sign, a significant and fight. Signed to Don King. <laughs> yeah, signed signed with Don King, or or unless he fights one of us, and it's like I I I'm guessing you guys wouldn't tune in to watch me fight Golovkin. I probably will last longer than um than whatever. No, I'm just gonna I'm not gonna make that joke, um, because I would run, and I doubt he can catch me. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't see a fight happening at this point. And and here's the thing, K2, nobody's saying this, okay? I, at least I'm not hearing it, and I know you would say it. Um, you wouldn't say it, like, out loud because you tend to, you know, be a little more PC than you are, like, when I talk to you, like, in the Discord or anything. <laughs> um, but K2 has completely ruined this whole phase of Golovkin's career, and they've mismanaged this uh, completely. How on earth did Golovkin, who was the baby face of boxing, the darling of boxing, suddenly become criticized? I mean, he, he was the one going to fight Canelo, and Canelo's the one that tested positive, yet we're, we're mad at Golovkin because he won't agree to an opponent that is going to be just a little bit tough. They completely misread the situation, like... There was no reason why they would have tried to keep that date if they couldn't immediately secure an opponent. And 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 believing Golden Boy and thinking to ourselves, oh, well, they'll just let us have Spike O'Sullivan. That was stupid. They got played. Wouldn't you do the same thing if, like, you stand to, like, your big draw is going to fight this guy, but he can't fight this time? Like, wouldn't you want to freeze this guy out, make him waste a training camp? Then he doesn't even get to fight. I mean, th- this is just a complete miss on K2's part. Um, now, I'm not going to hate him for it because, one, like, Golovkin, I understand what I'm trying to say. is like, I really understand why they got put in this situation. That that doesn't mean I forgive them or, like, it's okay. But I just, I understand how they got themselves into the situation. Too trusting. And they, they obviously don't have big name experience. Like Klitschko's always been the A-side in the heavyweight division. So they've never really had to worry about managing this aspect. But they're still acting like a B-side. And even in terms of like getting an opponent. 
I mean, I just talked a lot. You got anything to say about this? Um, well, I'm struggling to find where there's been mismanagement, maybe in this particular kind of post Canelo drug test fallout, there's been like an area of judgment made. But in terms of like how they got to this stage, I think it's been managed quite well. I completely but disagree with that. How, how can you disagree with the way that he's been managed up until this point? Built to, up as a baby face to get to that big dance in Vegas. Because he he couldn't get he couldn't get the win at the time, but from all other aspects up to that point. Getting Golovkin to this seamless. point has been great. No doubt of no doubt about it. But I'm talking about from the the when they signed the rematch, this has been poor. And especially oh, yeah. now that they've failed to secure an opponent. I mean, Golovkin should be the biggest darling in boxing. Bigger than he ever was. Because we finally caught somebody who is admitting, like, I, I couldn't beat him the, the first time. Assuming that you think Canelo was, like, malicious in his use of clenbuterol. That a guy was acknowledging, like, hey, I can't beat Golovkin clean. I need to cheat to beat him. I mean, he had the scorecard thing coming out of the... the so he had the victim role spelled out for him. Like, it was very clear. In no way should anybody be criticizing Golovkin at this point. And, and if the situation is managed correctly, they move him onto an opponent where everyone gives him a pass. Like, okay, he's not fighting Canelo, but he had to take what he can get and Spike O'Sullivan is it. But now people are like, well, he can't even secure an opponent. Like, he keeps rejecting these guys. Now, I, I know the truth, but like, do you think the casual fan does? The casual fan thinks that he's ducking like like he just all he wants to do is wait for Canelo. I, I just think that they, they've left a lot of things up for interpretation here. And they didn't have to do that. Mm. Okay, from that perspective, I get it now. Because from turning from the the first fight, which for many was unfulfilling, you're now getting to the stage where the rematch is in limbo and Golovkin just in like hidden everywhere he's going to fight this guy he's not going to fight this guy and so on and so forth and not just for the casual fan but for many he's just going to be tiring in that aspect i mean aren't you sick of this topic yeah like that's that's why i'm not saying much because you're just kind of like done with this whole canelo Garkin fiasco and the fact that it's not happening now just hold held the rest of the division which has some promising fighters in it and the prospects of some good fights down the line it's all like up in the air you don't know who's monetary here or who's going to be next or what's going to happen next just because of this whole mess. I mean, so I talk about this every tiring. single day. <laughs> like literally every day I talk about this. You know, I do daily podcasts on Patreon, um, you know, usually like a 20-minute podcast and it's just discussing the, the day's news. And um, But there's news every day on this and sometimes the news of no news is news and you got to discuss that. And so I, I'm just sick of talking about this subject, but I just feel bad for Golovkin at the end of the day because the facts are you have an aging fighter, a fighter just that's turned 36. just turned 36. And you could say that his last two opponents have been clear step backs from the Golovkin that we all know and, and fell in love with. Physically, father time is coming. He is going to decline being out of the spotlight knocking dudes out is a detriment to him and his potential going forward like imagine that canelo rematch doesn't happen you cannot sit here and tell me that golovkin will be okay with the future that includes a fight with billy joe saunders and that's it because billy joe's not even a draw i'm not going to say what i was going to say but needless to say he's not a draw no he's not a draw at all, and I got I brought a British person on just so I can make that statement, and they can agree with me because I, he, you know more than anybody that Billy Joe has some like really weird, rabid fans. Well, he's gained a lot after being David Lemieux, which is what we predicted would happen. That prior to Lemieux, he'd be seen as this overrated scrub who went life and death with that um, Akavov guy, and after he made Lemieux look like Lemieux actually is. <laughs> then people get on the bandwagon. I've seen people put him in pound for pound lifts. Oh, Jesus. Can That's you imagine? just sad. And just imagine, like, 
So it's just kind of like, this is like the weird drawback I have. Like I have, like initially it was just it used to be me just defending all these Brits and then when they get like some sort of decent win, they become horribly overrated. And yep. I'm having to like retract, having to like rein in that kind of praise I used to once have for them. So it, it, same with all of them, the Joshua's, the Brooks, the Saunders of the world. Yeah, because you get lumped in. So like I can, I see how this works, you know, you... You, you talk up a fighter as they're coming up. You know, Ushik's one of them, you, know, you could say. And we're going to talk about him next, so that's why I brought him up. But Ushik's a guy that everyone talked about. You know, he's 4-0, but he's beating up guys, and he's really good, and he's really talented. And then the the casual fan base sees him fight, and they start de- declaring him, like, pound for pound, one of the best, etc., etc. Like, you know, all that hyperbole. And you can't be associated with that because you know that that's not the case. You have to bring him back down to earth a little bit because the when it comes and you know it's coming that he loses or has a performance where it's like, look, he's a really good fighter, but when he fights another really good fighter, even just a, a pretty good fighter, he's going to look human. And you don't want to get associated with the, these these crazy people who like go way to the other side and put um, Billy Joe Saunders as a pound-for-pound pound guy who could be, beat Golovkin if they fought. You, 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 you don't want to get involved in that. And then people, when he loses... People just by association of their other friends who say Billy Joe is like a god, they think you're an idiot just like they think they're an idiot. Like, that's how that works. Yeah, it's just a weird kind of cycle with most sports, but especially a sport like boxing, where you're only as good as your last fight. Right. And I think people don't, or they, most people just think you're a matchroom hater. <laughs> I do like a lot of matchroom fighters, but like you who? have to distance yourself from myself. <laughs> Yafai. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, Cal Yafai. So you're the one. Who else? Oh god, this is tough. You know Cal Yafai was awful in his last fight? Yeah. And you Myself still is. are gonna put yourself out there and just say like yeah I'm a fan of Cal Yafai? Yeah, I like the Yafais. I like Jamie McDonald. Okay, but who doesn't like Jamie McDonald? Do you like Krola? I do. As Nicest a person, guy in boxing. But, yeah, but I don't care to see him fight. Okay, um, so that's enough on May 5th. Uh, yeah. Alexander Ushik, he's, so he's injured his elbow and is pulled out. Uh, quote, unquote, elbow injury, unquote. Okay, go on. Um, so this is what I think is happening. I'm just going to put it out there. It's not really a conspiracy theory. Um, there were people coming out like weeks ago saying that the fight was going to happen on the scheduled date which is may 11th i believe or may yeah friday may 11th but um i think Ga- i listened to interview murat gassiev a couple of weeks ago and he said that um it was potentially getting dr- pulled back and then there was um, complications of the venue and whatnot and there was rumors that it could move to russia for a later <laughs> date because because first of all they wanted to be closer to the super middleweight final which is being pushed back because graves george graves was injured and second of all, um, they must have probably had some complications with the Saudi Arabia venue to right. start off with, which you can imagine is not a surprise. <laughs> well, <laughs> they followed this, haven't have followed a, this sport for long enough. <laughs> they have a big WWE event there the, a couple of weeks before as well, like a huge yeah, event and, planned. And I'll, I'll just check in my Twitter. And um, so people who live there or around there say that there's loads of promo for that and WWE event, but there was nothing for the super series which tells you all you need to know i don't think the intention was to put it there right but it just got suckered in but now they had a chance to and rush has come and putting some money on the table then i think it'll probably end up there i i think that's probably the best place for it it's probably yeah, the, the place that they're gonna get the most um you put it in vegas like it just doesn't okay i mean it's still a lot of money even an okay attended card is going to do decent in Vegas, but still, I, I think given the two guys that are, that have made it to the finals, it makes sense that it would go to Russia. And hundred um, percent. So this is how to call my hands prevail. <laughs> I so I I brought this up like we didn't really need to talk about this, but I brought it up because I wanted to talk about Thurman now, who's out uh, of his next of his next fight, and then I wanted to bring up Canelo because Canelo's had surgery. And people are talking about Thurman, like, 
basically like mysteriously being injured and how long he's going to be out. And here's the thing, people. There are levels to injuries. Ushik's hurt his elbow. Crawford hurt his hand. So that's one type of injury. And they're, they're, we'll see how you know Crawford basically had a fight postponed a few weeks. And Canelo has went in for surgery. Um, that's arthroscopic surgery. He'll be good to go in three to four weeks. That's just how that works. If you follow other sports, you know that you can come back in a few weeks from arthroscopic surgery. And then Thurman was, and then people um, were critical of Thurman the first time around with his elbow injury. But there's levels to this. And the elbow injury that Thurman sustained was not like uh, these other, uh, like Canelo surgery. That looked like um, a serious procedure. And I, and I saw people bringing up Joseph Parker. I think Joseph Parker was similar to an arthroscopic surgery that Canelo had because he was able to go back and train really quickly. Um, exactly that. I think, yeah, I think both Parkers were arthroscopic if i remember i think that's what kevin barry mentioned yeah that's what it was and it's something that they're going to do um further um before um all of this transpired but because they won the title and they had the back-to-back defenses and mandatories that they decided to delay it but they still got it done within time yeah i I think that what parker was dealing with and maybe canelo was dealing with this a little bit was um tendonitis which is something that you can you can clearly work through and you see lots of basketball players. And Parker was able to fight for a long time with tendonitis. It's not something that's... It's like painful. You'll get to a point where you, you feel like you can't do it. But if you needed to, you could push yourself through it. And certainly, if you were um, in the NFL, you can get a shot and be good to go for the, for the day and play like nothing had happened. So there's levels to this. I think um, before reacting to people getting injured, you really got to take a look at what the actual injury is because, um, you and know, just the circumstances around it. Cause it can be pretty clear when injuries are not that by just looking at everything surrounding. So like how the events from being promoted, how the events being sold, how it's selling and all those kind of things. Like Mikey Garcia's play. or no, well, the, the injury in the lead up to the Garcia Zlatikanen fight or not Zlatikanen, um, Lipinitz, I, I very clearly thought that that was a scenario where they weren't selling as well as they like to have sold. So they pushed the fight a few weeks later moved yeah, to a oh small Mikey. venue. And lo and oh, behold. Ma- oh, Mikey, yeah. Oh, Mikey sold, got like a slight niggle in his hand. Just push it back a couple weeks. <laughs> uh, it was Lipinitz who, who had the hand injury. Yeah, um, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying like hypothetically. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Moving on, let's talk about this AJ Wilder um, nonsense. So uh, you, clearly as the AJ fan, as the matchroom guy, I I have something to tell you, okay? Eddie's lying. Well, (laughs) I'm not having that. Okay, well, what do you got to say to that? Well, Eddie said that he crunched the numbers in his matchroom lab and came oh. out with that the fight generates this much dude probably crunched uh, the numbers on his watch calculator yeah which cost more than a whole house thank you very much and um he gave Wilden an offer a sub- lucrative substantial offer more than he's ever made before like multiples more than he's ever made before and that's on the basis of what a fight generates for september at wembley stadium so i don't know what you're talking about but eddie Hearn would never lie to us yeah, I just want to say right now that Eddie Hearn and anybody who thinks that Wilder should take this um, flat rate, you don't quite know how boxing works. And if Wilder took that flat rate and you actually saw the financials after the fight, you would one, think Eddie Hearn's a genius for convincing Wilder, or two, you would think Wilder's crazy confident that he would take that because this fight is going to do huge numbers. Huge. And 12 whatever what was it 12.5 million 12 and a half million dollars yeah 12 and a half yeah in our money yeah in your money so eight 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 point eight in my our money the real money (laughs) (laughs) yeah so there's so there's three things there's three things at play here so there's the fact that eddie hearn is i don't know whether it's that he's such a good salesman or that the people he's selling to are just that they're marks yes (laughs) 
Well said. Uh, the, just that because the mind-numbing dumbness that I've had to endure in this past week. I mean, the offer came out Tuesday, Wednesday, and this past week explained to people why a flat fee offer is not a serious offer and not indicative of a team that wants to fight to happen next. By the way, I just want to say, I want to make it clear that I don't think you, but I can certainly speak for myself. I don't think either guy's scared. That's not what we're no, talking no, no, about no. here. So just I don't, don't get I, that part twisted no, because that's no. how they fool you. They, they, they will wrap it around in a thing about pride and fear and who wants to fight and who doesn't want to fight. But really, that's just to distract you from the business aspect of this because when you look at the business of it, this fight is going to be huge. You don't it's think all, so, but I think it's, it's going to be a $100 million fight. No. Nah, uh, well, I don't, we'll get, get on to that in a bit. But yeah, it's all a strategy. I don't think... I think it's actually opposite to the way that Eddie and AJ view Wilder. I think they view him as a means to an end. That we get this guy and then we're into a new marketplace and a new revenue stream opens up and we're on this beauty champion. So that's why they bring that out, not out of fear. So it's just an interesting one to the way this all transpired. And it's quite frustrating because it's just a long line of what we're going to have to go down by. But yeah, back to the point about what it generates. So the, the funniest thing is that on AJ Parker fight week, and like around towards the end of the week, um, um, Eddie Hearn was talking about, oh, I want to sign Wilder. And then if you get him, then Joshua fight, which she thinks can generate up to 100 mil, uh, becomes a possibility. And it now probably doesn't on, do that in the UK. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. And then this week, he said he crunched the numbers and he says that as a rough estimate, it'd be lucky to do 40 million. It just shows you everything that you need to know about the seriousness of him trying to make the fight right now. Yeah, it it's sounds like way. he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and yeah, and we we can criticize Eddie for many things, but he he knows exactly what he's doing. He's observed the game, and he knows that he can sell sell to his low IQ audience the fact that Wilder's turning down this career high payday and isn't worth anything, even though he's the biggest active American name right now. And he brings quite a bit to the table, more than people like to admit. Yep. Um, Wilder, so, Wilder himself has done the biggest ratings that we've seen on premium cable in the past few years on a network yeah. with a percentage of what HBO has to offer in terms of subscribers. So if you really think about that, if you were to count percentage of subscribers who actually tune in to fights, Wilder would be crushing anything HBO has done Possibly, I think the percentage might even be bigger of Wilder watched fights than Canelo's last fight against James Kirkland, which did a monster number on HBO. But percentage-wise of subscribers actually t- tuning in, I think Wilder might be doing better than that. I you disagree with this, and I think that you're you you just are dumb or stubborn. <laughs> but I think that this fight in America will do a hundred million. No, I just can't see it. Well, it depends how it's built, but even then, I still can't see it doing 100 million. I just think, just in a different era of boxing, and the fact that people say, oh, only 1.2 million people viewed Wilder out of, what, 20 million subscribers and 300 million people is indicative of where boxing is in its place in America and the kind of sports it has to compete with. Okay, but if those, if just a million people, if if just... A million people tune in but, or buy the pay-per-view. That's seventy million dollars already. But you know that they're not going to get a million people. They will close to that. No, they will. no, no. I'm not buying it. You like what? I'm going to tell you right now. Then you don't know what you're talking about because the heavyweight division carries a lot of clout here in America. Why on earth did anybody tune in to watch all of Klitschko's fights? Every time he fought on HBO, he did over a million. His, his daytime fights on HBO did close to a million. And everybody already knew at that point, Klitschko is dreadful to watch. And yet, he continued to deliver big numbers. I'm interested to see um, how... In, we went through like the highest grossing fights, and I want to see how many boxing um, heavyweights made that list. Of uh, What are you talking about? Like the highest, all-time highest grossing fights. Let me tell you something. 
when Klitschko fought Fury in the daytime on HBO, it did over um, a million viewers. In the daytime, no other daytime fight has ever done over a million that isn't on network TV. If you think that those people who, who watch that fight aren't going to tune in to a Wilder um, Joshua fight, you're, you're ill informed. Wow, 1.0 1 million in the afternoon. Yeah, that usually afternoon fights, Joshua's fights are only doing about 300,000. Yeah. Well, the, big, the most showtime, popular showtime daytime well. fights w won't get past maybe 700. Like, Frotch Groves, too, was actually pretty big here. But I think it only did like 700,000 dur during the daytime. So I guess there is some truth to the clout that heavyweights bring. But I don't think it's close to a million by kind of heavyweight clout. I, I wouldn't stick my neck out for, for, for Wilder. Sorry, yeah. like I, I love AJ, so I'm not, but I'm not really gonna risk um, my neck out for these guys. I mean, heavyweight hasn't done much in Vegas because Klitschko hasn't fought back in Vegas in a very long time. But of the top ten, two fights are heavyweight fights of the yeah, largest gates. It was it was Lewis Holyfield two and Holyfield Tyson two um, uh, back in '97 and '99. But and and then. You know, the next few are also Tyson and Holyfield, Tyson and McNeely. Um, and these are still, you know, generating all-time numbers as far as um, Livegate numbers. Um, I think most of them beat all of the UFC numbers. I think actually they do. These heavyweight fights from decades ago are still beating the top UFC cars of all time. Well, duh. <laughs> But you would think like with inflation and time going on and the fact that this is a sport that's on the rise, et cetera, et cetera, Brock Lesnar in the main event, et cetera, et cetera, and still it's a not even close. sport on the, the quote-unquote rise. <laughs> yep, quote-unquote, it's on the rise. Uh, so, you know, there's still, there's a ton of money. If they do, I mean, if you do 500,000 buys, okay? Add that to the... 35 day. million... Plus, and let's say it. they do twenty million, that's still fifty-five million at the gate. That's way more than they're going to make in the UK. Add that to the UK pay-per-view vibes as well, because people would stay up and watch it. You guys don't even, even. It ain't much, but what do you guys? What's the big number? Like three hundred thousand over there for pay-per-view buys? No, no, get way over a million. Okay, but it's only like a twenty million. bucks. So yeah, but still, that's cool. That's still more to the pot. That's and that, then all this. This fight is worth so much money so much money um and and these guys the more that they 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 do this song and dance the bigger the fight's gonna get the more that they talk about how little known Deontay Wilder is it's just gonna make it bigger and I mean it just defeats the whole point of what they're talking about anyway Wilder so. is is gonna get um I mean he continues to do interviews and all this stuff like he's gonna he's gonna bring in a fair share of people and look, once they put the commercial together and air it during sports and people see the knockouts that these two guys have put together, they see that they look like, you know, these, they don't look like your traditional heavyweight. You got two heavyweights with actual six packs. This is a departure from what people think heavyweight boxing is. We can, we're not going to get into how much weights they lift and why they lift so much, but you know, whatever. I think it's a, a a big fight. Now we could talk about Tyson Fury coming back, but like, do we really want to? Like, what is this? Like, he's gonna fight somebody with no hope. Yeah, he's gonna fight a couple of those with no hope, and then we'll see how it is after that. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't get the Fury love. <laughs> you don't get the Fury love because you're an AJ lover yourself. No, I think he's boring. Well, absence made the heart grow fonder, my friend people won't know that he's boring. And a lot of people who've seen him out of the ring and be doing the antics and followed his journey and the stuff he's been through are invested now. He's not your so grandma. Like, seriously? So that, so, huh? I said he's not your grandma. Like, seriously? Well, <laughs> that's, what, that's what people enjoy. They enjoy that kind of relatability factor in the UK. Um, Fury acts as that kind of anti-hero to the AJ kind of PR spin hype train. So, at least until people um, re realize again that he's not the most entertaining fighter, 
he'll still get some traction. Tra- even after that, he'll still get some traction because well, that like, won't that take long. Of, that kind of good versus evil kind of thing will still pay off, and the media will spin it. Who's so, more boring, Tyson or Fury, or Tyson or Huey? <laughs> oh God, Huey definitely. Oh boy, um, it runs in the family though. Is my point? Uh, yeah, the, that's just the way they fight. Like it's effective, but it's not entertaining at all. And the only way you're gonna see any intrigue is when you see him against the top guys, which we may never even see anyway. Do you think Manny's gonna go back with Freddie? Because the rumor is that he's actually not decided who his trainer is gonna be. So it well, like because apparently he said that it was announced that he was training with whoever he was training with, and oh then boy. yeah, and then Michael Cod steps in and is like, nope. <laughs> Put our press release. We haven't made a decision yet, so I think it looks kind of positive for him going back to Freddie. Do you think stop. if Freddie is like kind of got his his feelings hurt, that Manny would be a good fit with Tesco Joe? It'd work well for him in the stage of his career. Do nothing for six rounds and then explode. <laughs> Do, can you explain to people who Tesco Joe is? Uh. T- Tesco Joe, aka um, the man of bestiality, aka <laughs> aka Joe Gallagher, aka Ring Magazine 2015 Trainer of the Year, the Who, best it, trainer of the whole of the UK. Who's he trained? Uh, the world class fighters out of the Gallagher's train Gallagher gym. You have the world class Smith family. You have the likes of Anthony Crawler, Smiths Crawler. Wow, what a what a stable. Great stable of fighters. More to come this year. Okay, let's move on. Uh, I want to get into the fights this week because we got quite a few to go over. First oh, up, great. Saturday afternoon, Amir Khan <laughs> versus Phil DeGreco. <laughs> you are the biggest Khan fan I know. The only Khan fan I know. Oh, you, I was. You was. Now... <laughs> Wait a... Explain. Well, it's hard to be a fan of a guy he doesn't fight. <laughs> oh, that doesn't stop the Tyson Fury fans? Yeah, well, that's different. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> that's because you're a hater. <laughs> um, no, I... He'll come, he'll, I, he'll, come back and, he'll come back and school AJ and Wilder and end this whole nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen. But I, I actually... I'm looking forward to seeing Khan come back. I'm not. not? Mainly because I know how this story is going to end and it's not going to be end well. All Khan stories end with him on his back. Yeah. So this will this will end similar. We know how this story is going to end. It obviously won't be against LaGreco because LaGreco has been brought in for a reason. He's fat and he has banter. <laughs> but... I- I, I, you know, Khan hasn't fought since he fought um, Canelo. Yeah. And got knocked out. But Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he, it was one punch, down went Khan. Stero- steroids. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's what Khan thinks. Well, but I think it's interesting think. that Canelo knocks him out, he brings up steroids. But he doesn't do it with AJ. Right? Don't see the any relevance to that, but you know. I'm sure you some do people you get the do. joke. Some people probably get the joke. But anyway, um, I, I agree with you. LaGreco's being brought in to, um, you know, for a reason. But how do you feel about Khan returning to Sky Sports uh, and, and doing this deal with AJ? Or not AJ. <laughs> 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 with the matchroom. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a... You know, it's a bit weird, just the whole thing and the way it's come together. Well, it makes sense because him and Eddie both love money and they realize that can make each other quite a bit of it. And obviously, um, Khan's using Eddie to get on Sky and Eddie's using Khan to build up a fight with Brooke, which would be another pay-per-view fight to add to the money he's got lined up here in the UK. And it's just just the whole kind of relationship between these two is just off, like... He's not obviously one of the main matching boys. He's not Brooke. He's not a Joshua or whatnot. But he's a bigger draw than Brooke. Yeah, but let's put it this way: like when the Lagreco fight was made, 
Khan said he wanted that one four seven. Khan gets to the first press conference before they start off. Eddie's going to Khan in the back like, mate, we need to make this fight a, a catch weight because Lagreco is not going to be able to make one four seven. So just small weird things like that, like he'd have to concede that Lagreco has to be one fifty instead of one four seven. Just weird things like that, and then he will look to bring Kelbrook into the ring after the fight once Khan wins and all those kind of things. So it's kind of just like an odd relationship. Now, I thought that Khan still had one more fight with Frank Warren. Um, how did that work out, that he was able to come over to match him? Do you know the, the story there? Well, that he was never with Warren. <laughs> the last time he was with Warren was 2009. <laughs> I thought he had some sort of deal with him, like, which is why Khan's fights were always appearing on um, Box Nation. No, that's just um, obviously because British fighters or any fighters have like can have separate deals with Box Nation to air their fights, but that's nothing to do with the actual promotional deal with Frank Warren and his promotional company. Then what? So, what was with the animosity between Khan and Eddie Hearn? That's just general animosity. Eddie Hearn spreads lies, and Khan tries to defuse those lies, and but it came together. And they all kind of kiss and made made up and realize they can make each other a lot of money before Khan went on that reality show towards the end of last year. Um, they they put the deal together and by the end of it, he's ready to come out and announce it in the new year. And now he's fighting. How confident so, are you that Khan will fight Brooke? Not really, because provided he even looks somewhat decent um, on Saturday, he will still have options. People still view him as a name fighter who's a he can be knocked out, and that'd be so and so forth. So he, he can still assess the landscape and look. I can fight this guy, or could try and fight for a world title, or fight even after Touchbrook, and things like that. So he'll still beat his own drum, even though Eddie will try and force that book fight to happen. So it's just where Amir decides to do, go and what he decides to do with his career. He's still in the driving seat as it stands. Okay. Well, Moving on. So enough <laughs> about Amir Khan. <laughs> Carl Frampton versus Nonito Donaire will go head-to-head. I think it'll be a head-to-head. It'll be around, this, around the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be around That'll be the, the main time. event. Um, I love this fight for a number of reasons. I'll spell them out for you. One, Donaire's done. That's true. We, we don't expect him to compete at an elite level at featherweight ever again. But based off of his last fight, and taking out the positive spin that you might put, like I did, of ring rust, Frampton looks like he's on his way as well. He's clearly not the guy who he was um, a couple years ago. And what is what? Well, what that what justifies that to me is that Frampton's style wasn't the most athletic, but his reflexes and ability to time were top notch, and that appeared to be gone. He really struggled to land those counters and those tight windows that he was used to or basically that he did when he was at his peak. That appears to be gone. Donaire always keeps fights interesting because he has one shot that can put a guy down and he's done it many, many times in his career um, to prove that. And then the other thing is that this is going to be in Frampton's hometown and we know what fights like are there or fights are like when they're there. Um, Is there any reason why you think that this shouldn't be a fight to get excited over? Maybe not excitement because Donaire's done and a lot of rounds could pass over with him just not being active at all because he won't be able to pull the trigger. But in terms of intrigue, you can't really deny that the fight has intrigue because of the reason you just listed out. And the fact that on top of the timing and reflexes, Frampton likes to use his legs a lot and he couldn't do it in his last fight, which was a massive kind of like red flag of, oh, this guy might be on the slide as well. So... Just the way this all kind of panned together, you can't deny that the fight has intrigue, and it's a good fight. Are are you confident that Frampton is going to win? Yeah, I'd say 70-80% confident, because Donaire's been done, he's been done for a while, and yeah. he's not his natural weight. But the thing that's so interesting is that all the intrigue from this fight, if you really think about it, the intrigue is based off of... Uh, a side of Donaire that we haven't seen in years. But this is what happens when you have power punchers is the, the mystique 
of their power never leaves them. So Donaire basically always has a chance in fights because people think that he's still got the left hook and he might use it. And um, that's definitely, I think, what's driving this. Obviously, stripping away all... Stripping everything away, Frampton, even at their peaks, was going to outbox Donaire because Donaire just doesn't have enough. Frampton is, is a complete fighter, capable of doing a bit of everything and doing it well, whereas Donaire's never been... You know, he can be outboxed. He can be countered. We've seen him, both of those things happen. I mean, obviously, Rigondeau was a better technical boxer than Frampton was at their primes. Um, but I think Frampton was still good enough to do a version of what Rigondeau did to Donaire. Um, on the undercard, the, the a real intriguing fight, if you like knockouts, is Zolani Tete versus Omar Narvaez. I have no reason to believe that uh, Tete won't be adding another highlight reel knockout to his um, his resume. You agree? Agreed. So just a case of getting this one out of the way and hopefully moving on to big and best things. D- Tete's an interesting one. Like, he has proven nothing, really. <laughs> Here we go. And I don't, I don't mean this to be a hot take or anything, but like, what has Tete done? He's knocked out Paul Butler. What has he really done other than score crazy knockouts? Score more crazy knockouts. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But like, you can't. Like, I think most people, if you say like, what's Tete's style? Even people who've watched Tete's fights will tell you, I don't know. He like knocks guys out. I don't remember. I, I, he's just a real interesting fighter. Nobody's really tested him, but he's also never really fought an opponent to test him. There, there are some that believe that um, he's like the only challenge for Inouye at 118 pounds. I don't know that that's the truth, but I don't also know that that's not true. Or if it is true, I don't know. Hopefully we'll find out this year. Yeah, well, he, he's with Frank, so <laughs> there's, I don't know about the chances of that. Well, World Boxing Super Series is apparently coming to that weight division. So we'll have to wait and see. I, you know, I don't like that idea, to be honest with you. Because Why not? unless you get everyone who's the same age, if you have a really young guy in the division, like, and an older guy, that guy could be shot by the time the division or basically the final comes around because you get shot so fast in that division once you hit like 29, 30 years old. You, you don't have a long prime or there's no second phase of your career when you fight that low in weight class. So what you're saying is that having that kind of tournament format where everything's done within 12 months and you're fighting back-to-back tough fights will be the best and the last you see of all these guys? Um. Maybe. I don't think you can do a tournament in 12 months, as we're finding out right now with the delays, with venue, injury. Um, it'll, be on the, it'll be on the 12 months if they, have, if they reschedule everything by July. Hmm. Uh, I wish them luck. <laughs> Hate uh, to be them. Let's, let's move over to America. America. <laughs> on the undercard, Jamal Charlo versus Hugo Centeno Jr., uh, Highlight reel knockout time, lines only. Can't run the Golovkin. Keep running your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd love to hear him say that. Um, yeah, very likely. Like most, if you play this fight out ninety nine times or so, Charlo's going to score a highlight reel knockout every single time. And that one other time, Centeno scoring a highlight reel knockout because that's his that's his mo. He Centeno doesn't show up to box people. He shows up to catch him. And the only two times I see the only two times I seen him fight were against James Larosa and Aleem, and both were highlight reel knockouts. <laughs> yeah, both. I mean, the Aleem fight is just nuts. If you haven't seen his fight with Aleem, go watch that because Aleem was the upsetter until Centeno decided he was the upsetter. Um, but Centeno's also been beat so. Very likely, Charlo has this one in the bag. And Charlo, as one of the young, rising guys in boxing, it's hard to imagine him in a fight where he's going to lose. Like He's just so far away from that fight where 
he's going to lose. Like, do you imagine him like anybody other than a Golovkin or a Canelo beating Charlo? Danny Jacobs. I, I don't, I don't know about that. I have to see more from Charlo at 160 before I can pick him against the Jacobs. The, the thing about Jacobs is HBO did such a bad job overselling Jacobs that it, I started to notice more flaws than I did notice what he did well in that fight. Like it was that's, just a little over that's, the top. That's the Eddie. That's the Eddie Hearn effect on you. Oh God, you, you act like Eddie Hearn's been doing like the guy who made up this game. <laughs> He's uh, perfected it. <laughs> to you guys, you know we've had Bob Aaron for decades. I've seen some of these old takes of him comparing Mayweather to Ali and Leonard. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, th- this guy legitimately had Leonard and De La Hoya sit on planes with Mayweather and coach him on how to be. This is a true story. They, 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 they coached Mayweather on how to act with the media and how to, how to um, interact with them so that they felt safe around him. So AJ, AJ would be so perfect on the Aaron's wing. <laughs> oh, wow. I, AJ under an American promoter. Oh my God. Like it would be over the top. Mate, you think you hate him would, now? The media would it'd be even worse. Like the British media is pretty bad, especially with the fact that they can just suppose him next to the likes of Wilder and Fury, who are mild spoken and more flawed, like visibly flawed. Well, I mean, in the plus side, AJ is very humble. He takes it in stride. <laughs> Get lost. Gervonta <laughs> uh, Davis will fight Jesus Cuellar on the undercard. This is a decent fight. Cuellar is going to do some things that Davis hasn't really seen anybody do so far. Now, am I saying that Davis is in trouble here? No. Javante is going to win. He might be in trouble. I mean, it depends. So, like, Davis... Like, it's, like, it's one of those fights where he shouldn't be in trouble. Let's just put it that way. Right. Well, I what I would say about this fight is that, realistically, there are very few guys that I see, like, just on on a talent level. That could beat Davis. That's very true. And that's people, some people neglecting all like, the hysteria of him, all of his out-the-wing stuff, and then the last fight where he didn't make weight. Yeah. He's still a talented dude. Davis is unbelievably talented. I mean, just the fact that he won his world title so quick and in such a dominant fashion. It wasn't like Broner won a title about at the same age. But if you look at Broner's upbringing, like in boxing on his rise, it's clear that he was basically positioned for that and we've seen other fighters capture titles quickly they were basically promoted their way and match made into a title davis is one of the few guys that at a, at a young age was just tossed in there and he had to sink or swim and figured it out but and, and that's why i'm saying like he's the guy's really talented but his biggest opponent his toughest opponent is just himself can he keep his head on straight can he avoid the out-of-the-ring um, distractions? Can he not get sick on the, the week of fight night because he was sick and maybe was staying out late? Who knows? Not going to make any assumptions there, but you, you may have heard the rumors. Um, and that's the thing. Like This isn't a situation of Gary Russell Jr. where he's pretty talented, but he also just doesn't care about boxing. Javante seems like a guy that, like, he loves boxing and he's actually very talented, but, you know, he likes other aspects of life just as much. And so I, I, that's, I, I think Davis is going to, um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he struggled a little bit. He's probably going to deal with some ring rust. Cuellar's a really tough guy who's going to come to fight. He's going to come in and, and, and try to take the fights Davis, and Davis is going to, I think, adjust and mow him down. And uh, you, you want to say anything else about this? No, my take is quite similar to yours. But obviously, if Davis doesn't show up in shape or is just messing about, then it could get interesting with Quayle just applying consistent pressure for 12. And then we have Adrian Broner versus Jesse Vargas in the, the main event. I want to know what. Anybody come see Adrian Broner fight? <laughs> I, well, this is what I, I want to hear your take on this fight. It's the same as pretty much like every other B plus or B opponent that Agent Brown is facing in his career. It's going to be life or death. He'll probably lose because 
Jesse Vargas is not an Adrian Granados or an Emmanuel Taylor. He's slightly above. Oh, I would say so, he's a step above these guys. Yeah, so at best, I'm thinking Adrian Broner gets a controversial decision victory, which he doesn't deserve. At worst, he loses quite clear wide decision. I, I think this is a really troubling fight for Broner. Like, I'll give it up to Broner. Like, if you look at his resume, you can't help but be impressed. Like, well, is it's a, it's a guy, like, yeah. Broner's a guy that... The, what, what do you think Eddie Hearn would do with Broner? Oh, God, I don't want to know. Like, if we, we, we reset back to 2011 or 12 or whatever, like, how do you think Broner's career goes if he switches over to, to Matchroom at that point? He defends that lightweight belt about five or six times against no marks and then steps up to welterweight to fight someone like Errol Spence. <laughs> <laughs> No. And breaks his breaks his eye socket and says, "If it wasn't for the eye socket, I would have won." And then moved up to one fifty four <laughs> and knocks out some guy that goes down from from basically uh, the first counter right hand, and then he's back, and then he can call out Jarrett Hurd. <laughs> yeah, or, or Jamal Charlo, or Jamal Charlo, or whoever. Um, yeah, but well, like, yeah. I get your point. Brenner's for anyone anyone who's been put in front of him. His willingness to fight guys has never been something that people can criticize him about. And this and people if they're being extra critical of him will say that, oh, he needs to because that's how he gets raids and that's how he stays on T V. But he's shown he's been of value to a network and Showtime basically love him. Right. I mean his ratings speak for themselves. He, yeah. Yeah. Regardless of whether he turns up serious or not. Or whether how many times he's been exposed for not being as good as he is, he's still going to be a factor in that kind of network show up, and it'd be one of those showpiece attractions. Yeah, and I'm, just an example of this. If you look at um, his the opponents that he's fought, like Mikey Garcia is the kind of guy that can reject an opponent. Sean Porter could reject an opponent. These are guys that they have enough draw that they don't need to fight a guy if they don't think that it's not beneficial to their career. But they clearly are willing to fight a guy like Adrian Broner because he brings a lot to the table. He he's perceived as a pretty tough opponent. Like, I do. Do you think that the stigma is still out there that if Broner is focused, like he's pretty, he's gonna be a pretty good fighter and a tough out for anybody? The myth, you mean? <laughs> well, the stigma, the myth, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's still out there in some circles, enough circles for it to mean something. And for him to be of name value to another fighter, that's um, a, that's why that's why they were talking. Provided Khan gets through this weekend as well, the Broner fight was one they were looking at down the line. Wait, who? Because of all those Broner Khan. That that'd be a real nice fight. A real nice fight for me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if, I, if I'm Khan, I I would say let's fight Broner next, and then I'll fight Brooke. I mean, that'd be a nice run for Khan of. LaGreco, Broner, and Brooke. Win or lose, he wins. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. But, um, yeah, so the stigma is still there that Broner isn't sellable enough and can convince people enough that I'm um, taking it seriously this time. Do you think but he's provided he lose, do you think, do I think he can win against this weekend? Yep. No. Do I think he can get a decision? Yes. If that makes sense. <laughs> I ask you if you do you think he could win? No. I think he'll get a decision. Do I think he could get a decision? Yes. Right. I, I'm Is just going to be interesting. That, yeah, yeah. That your uh, so your, your your prediction is is that things will not be so. Uh, I guess uh, clear cut. They won't be. Uh, no, no, there won't New be York much George justice. Wrong. Those New York Dodgers won't be so fine, so kind to the Vegas native, Jesse. Um, I wonder how the weight, the catch weight, is going to play into it as well. Just want to point out a bad sign for Cuellar. He's being trained by Manny Robles, who was a great trainer for like a, a year ago or so, but he's recently had a pretty bad, um, a bad run. Uh, Valdez is fighting like an idiot, um, and other guys have lost. So Man, he's got he's got the heavyweight kingpin, Big Don Brazil. 
<laughs> yeah, well, when he knocks out Tyson Fury, like then then we'll announce the reemergence of Manny Robles. But until then, um, not sold. And I thought he did a great job bringing Oscar Valdez up up until the point where Valdez forgot that he was a good boxer. But yeah, I, I like this Broner versus Vargas fight for sure. And I, I'm, I'm glad both of the guys took the fight. I don't think this is going to be a very fun fight to watch. Yeah, I could see that. That's what the two undercard fights are for. Like, if, if you're like one of those people, and the ratings say this, that people tend to, like, I would say 70% of viewers don't watch the undercard fights, and they just watch the main event. Don't be one of those people. Davis versus Cuellar is probably going to be a fire matchup. Cuellar is coming to, coming to bang, and Davis, as we've seen before, thinks that he can basically walk anybody down and destroy them. And then, obviously, Charlo Centeno is one of those don't-blink matchups. Um, all, all together, there's a possibility that Broner Vargas is fun, but I think this will be a good card. I, I mean, these are three really nice fights. What do you think? Yeah, well, Broner... Any Broner fight these days doesn't really get my interest anymore for the reason I, for the reason I pointed, pointed out about the myth around if he's in shape and if he's motivated. But I think what Heyman does well with these kind of cards is that there's you want to have at least two or three significant fights in general, and that's what you have here. Fights that mean something or fights that are just well matched. That's that's basically what Eddie Hearn does. <laughs> nice joke. Okay, yeah, that was a joke. Uh, Have you seen the Amir Khan card? It's probably the worst card he's ever put on. It, or, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I've seen worse. But no, this is it's probably dude, the worst card he's put on. I've seen worse. I've seen where like the headliner is like, who is that guy? Like I watch British boxing all the time, and I don't even know who that is. No, this card's pretty bad. You have Khan against the fat guy. And, and who's the main event or the co-main? Is is it Sam Eggington against the guy with like? No, that's a that's like untelevised as well. So the How? only the, the only fight there is uh, for the Commonwealth lightweight title between Sean Dodd and Tommy Sean Dodd. Yeah, and t- Tommy Coyle, who's like Coyle I, just retire already. And, and the thing, and that fight, that would be. Probably two years ago, that would have been like the first fight in the night at like seven o'clock card time. Yeah, yeah. And now it's the co-main of a of what's meant to be a significant show, the return of Khan and whatnot. So let, let me ask you something. How, how did um, Sam Eggington go from beating Frankie Gavin and Paulie Malignaggi to losing to Muhammad Mamouni? Um, that's a, that's a quite simple question to answer. Um, he faced on who could actually move. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just going to say Eggington sucks or something. He is what he is. He's a good, he's a TV fighter. He's a good TV fighter. Pair him against the right style and he'll look great. Pair him against someone who can actually box and move and then <laughs> he will lose. Oh, well. There's nothing more to it. And well, it's going to be even worse for him now because he's moving up to 154 and even domestically, though, guys, and that weight, he will just take his head off. Maybe he's trying to get a fight with Kel Brook. That was actually discussed that was in, um, alongside the Ravchenko fight when they were trying to piece together Brook's comeback. They're willing to sacrifice Eggington for the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> Do it, Eddie. So it may even happen next. You never know. But this is just a keep as you fight for him. And then a couple of Olympians there as well. He's just not a appealing card. I thought Natasha Jonas was the under or the co-main. Nah, she'll be on the main card though because she's from Liverpool and the cards in Liverpool. Um. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's the fights. Next week should be interesting. We got Danny Jacobs returning, and I still am not sure if they're going to put Katie Taylor on the on the HBO card. <laughs> hmm. They should for equality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, I like that. Um, so that's it for this week. Head on over to patreon.com slash Sunday puncher. You get access to uh, a daily podcast plus long form podcasts. Um, and, uh, we'll be back next week. He made the team this year. He said he wasn't tall enough. All the glitter.
is not gold. Nah, nah gold is not though. reality. This is family business And this is for the family that can't be with us And this is for my cousin locked down All the answers in us This is why I spit it in my song So sweet like a photo where your granny's pitching Now that you're gone and hit us Super hard on Thanksgiving and Christmas This can't be right Yeah, Yo, you heard the track I did, man This can't be like Somebody please say grace so I can